0: This week, on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast... <laughs> I think Jay would prefer silence for these
1: drops, but, you know... Whatever. <laughs> sorry, Jay. I'm not fucking sorry. Jay's, Jay's painting his Grievous or whatever the hell he's painting, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm jealous of EJ right now.
2: Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast
0: focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornbos, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka. With Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass.
3: Welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrel podcast. I'm Mike, and I'm here alongside David and Kyle. How long, How are you guys doing today?
2: Good. I'm feeling pretty
3: good. I imagine you are. You had a pretty big weekend. I
2: did. I went to Gen Con, and I went 6-0, and and I am now the North American Continental Champion.
3: <laughs> yeah buddy um so we're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show uh, we've also got a bunch of other stuff to talk about today uh including we had some sweet new reveals at the in-flight report we have some keyword stuff that we want to talk about in our legion 101 section um specifically i think fire support and coordinate um we're going to talk about in our competitive section, we're clearly going to talk about Gen Con and the guy who won won the tournament. Yep,
1: we've got an exclusive interview.
3: And right, <laughs> Yeah, it was really hard to get him on the podcast, man. <laughs> it was difficult. Booked. Um, totally booked. And then, if we have time today, we'll be talking about some hobby stuff in regards to the new Clone Wars courses. Um, before we get to all that, though, we do want to talk about our Patreon. Um, we hit... Our second goal, which was $500 a month. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, At that level, we are going to be doing uh, battle reports, um, and we'll be posting them as YouTube videos online uh, for you guys to consume as content. So be on the lookout for those. I believe our goal at this point is to get the first one uh, in early September. Um, So we'll kind of be bringing that back around as the month of August wraps up. And we'll give you some more information about that but moving forward um you can expect those to be a monthly thing um so again thank you for our patreon and youtube subs um make sure that if you can't donate money um that's okay we still love you um you can uh go to youtube and you can click on the subscribe button um it's totally free to do and it would really help us out as far as just kind of um becoming like a partner, I think that's the term, uh, for, for YouTube. So if you could do that, that would be great. Um, we also have a note here from our, our boy LJ Pena. Um, he would like everybody to know that if you've won an RPQ and you haven't reported it, if you could um, report it on the Legion Tournament Circuit website, that would be very, very helpful, just so that we can figure out everybody that is qualified for a Depticon.
1: And that, that's LegionTournamentCircuit.com. There you go.
3: So, I think it is. I think we can double check. Yeah. ninety-eight
1: percent sure. Yeah.
3: Um, you guys got any other housekeeping stuff you want to go over real quick before we dive into some sweet new spoilers? Uh,
2: I only have like one thing about Team League. Just reminding people who are in the based Team League that the second round ends on the twelfth, and not tomorrow. So you have one more week to finish your games. And uh, yeah, that's all
3: I have for that. Sweet. Um, welcome to In The
4: News.
3: David. Yes. You, you were on site at Gen Con. I was. For a very cool in-flight report. I was. Where they previewed some bad stuff.
1: Did, did uh, you just bleep yourself?
3: I did bleep myself. Just so that jay didn't have to okay (laughs) (laughs) i have a feeling he's gonna go
2: back and just add it back in because (laughs) yeah just because you know whatever yeah so i i went to the in-flight report um it was it was pretty packed uh it wasn't quite standing room only the room was huge it had like 1200 person capacity um and so i i was in the standby line and we got in there um you Know kind of towards the back of the room, of course, because everybody had ticket got in first. Um, and wow, we saw some really awesome stuff for um, post uh, Clone Wars Corset uh, stuff. We saw Dooku and Rex, that was the first thing they showed us. Um, then we saw uh, phase two clone troopers and the B2 super battle droids which are the next uh, core releases, it looks like, for, um, for Clone Wars. And then we also saw, in my opinion, like the most spectacular thing out of all the reveals this weekend, um, the heavies, the first two heavies for the uh, Republic and for the Separatists. We have the Saber Tank, and we have the AAT, which I'm sure everyone remembers from Phantom Menace, um, the lines of AATs uh, rolling over the grassy fields of Naboo towards the Gungan army. Um, and then uh, and last but not least, we also got a new, um, what they're calling a battlefield expansion, the Imperial Bunker, uh, similar to a downed ATSD style of expansion where it's a new terrain piece. It is the um, the Endor Bunker, essentially. It has a fully sculpted interior, they alleged that it has um, new scenarios in it and that it has um, some uh, campaigns or some sort of campaign associated with it. I'm not entirely sh- I don't remember everything they said, but um, it was definitely really cool. And then last but certainly not least, they are going to release another Battlefield expansion called the Crashed Escape Pod, which will bring R2-D2 and C-3PO into the game. And that is something as a rebel player I'm massively looking forward to because I would love to play like a, you know, like a cast of, a classic cast of character style list where I can incorporate as many of the rebel heroes into one list as possible. It might never be competitive, but, you know, who cares? It's just going to be fun. And that's, you know, half the reason we play is to have fun with Star Wars. And um, R2D2 and C-3PO are, you no, know, I think the epitome of that, at least for the rebel faction. Um but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we saw for Legion from the InFly report. And, um, you know, the excitement was pretty, excitement level was pretty high I felt. And, and, um, the crowd was obviously tired. Uh, they'd just got, it all traveled and they'd all gotten in. So, I mean, they, for those of you that watch the stream, you know, that the applause was sort of muted and the presentation was a little, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe a little just stilted, but I think people were just, you know, I think they were still warming up and, um, but man, like I, I tell you, I'm stoked for all of these and uh I will definitely be buying and playing them. Especially uh Captain Rex and uh, the other clones and the saber tank because those look absolutely sick.
1: Yeah. All, all the models just looked amazing. Like um they're doing they're really knocking yeah. out of the part with these sculpts, and it looked like at least all the droid stuff was, you know, continuing to be hard plastic. Certainly those BTs are hard plastic. Um I can't imagine they'd be able to do those spindly limbs otherwise.
2: Yeah, they also had the, um, they had those minis. A- after they did the on-flight report, they put the minis in the case. And um, there's a video on the Fifth Trooper YouTube now that I took of those minis in the case. So if you actually want to see what I saw like through my eyes, you can go to Fifth Trooper YouTube mm-hmm. channel and take a look at all of those minis. I think it's called the Gen Con Minis Preview. Um, I think that's in the title, but you can go look at that if you're interested um, on the Fifth Trooper YouTube channel.
3: Will Will they feel like a Gen Con champion if they do that? Um, <laughs> uh, well, they feel like an
2: attendee. I'll just say that much. Oh, okay. I don't know about champion. <laughs>
1: okay. Man, so just just looking at those tanks in the case, those things are freaking enormous.
2: Yeah. Did you, did um, you
1: put I, like a range ruler next to them? Do those fit in a deployment zone?
2: I I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I couldn't. I mean, I didn't actually have my stuff on me at the time. Um,
3: so maybe you can answer this question for me. Are those bases bigger than the current large bases?
2: Um, I'm pretty sure. Like just looking at the diameter compared to the notch, like, yeah, you could tell that it was a larger base. It's, it's tough also, to
3: tell from the pictures exactly yeah. how big they are. Cause there's not really, it's tough to tell the, the scale.
2: Yeah, the pictures don't do it justice. Partially because the angle is kind of low, because they wanted you to get the to get the you know the more detail. You know, they wanted to get you an art- artistic looking shot. But when you are in person, um, you can see just how massive these things are. And actually, if you if you look at the AAT, the back of it kind of overhangs the rear of the base a little bit, even despite the base being a lot bigger. Like, <laughs> it's it's really huge. Um, it's 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 taller than the saber actually. Um, I mean, when I looked at them side by side, that, yeah, uh,
3: that thing's a tall thing. Yeah, not
2: just be, not the least you know reason for that is that they they have the droid commander you know in the back of it you know with his you know with his uh, arm up waving or waving orders to the others. But uh, they have some. It's just an amazing sculpt. I hope they do the. I hope they do some sort of proton launcher because apparently those um those holes in the front of it are actually torpedo launchers. <laughs> so. I don't, know if, I don't know if they'll do that or not, but that would be something to look out for, hopefully.
3: Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting. So a couple of things that I'm excited about. One is actually related to gameplay. Technically speaking, I think... I don't know, because it's not the middle of the model, but it will be the highest point of the AAT tank will be the dude sticking out at the top. So, yeah, do you
2: measure sight from there, right? Like, I we, wonder... <laughs> I mean I think
3: I I mean rules as written technically no. Yeah.
1: I mean it's still pretty yes, freaking tall like you're going to be able to see mm-hmm. over a lot of things even if you
3: I know my point is that like if if the spotter dude on top is the dude that's like you're drawing line of sight from you Well looking at everything. the picture
2: I snapped from in flight um there's like a part of the the barrel of the main cannon that's above the center of the base. So I'm actually pretty sure you could do it from like the droid's chest. And be pretty close to pretty close to on target there. Yeah.
3: Love it. Love it. Um, Also, according to the article, you're going to be able to either use Rex with no helmet, Rex with a phase one helmet, or Rex with a phase two. I think you get
2: to pick your Rex flavor.
3: Love it. Love it. Um, Like, oh my God, I love it. I know that it's like a small thing, but it's just like, that's going to be so good for like, conversions and stuff like that just like being able because like he's just just a clone trooper like you're going to be able to like throw a different helmet on him like switch the arms up a little bit and call him a different dude if you want to i i love it i love it
2: they have a helmetless phase two sculpt that they showed Mm. as well so that's going to be in phase twos as well awesome yeah yeah the whole the whole report was was amazing b2s look good too i mean they had all the models out in the case and they're um they look they pretty much look as exactly as they should. They got their they got their you know, rocket and everything looks like.
3: Oh. I was I was looking at their picture and I was like, man, these are kinda generic. This is a criticism. And then like I thought about that a little bit more. <laughs> like <laughs> and I was like, Oh. It's I mean, almost like they're mass produced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, it's like these are what these are supposed to look like. That's fine.
1: Um, yeah, it's almost like they came off an assembly line.
3: Yeah, ah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I just like all the poses are very similar. Which, like, again, like in in the show, they're like either the like their arms are like straight down, or they're walking, or their arms are like pointed out towards you, uh, and that that's like it. Those are the poses you get. So I don't blame them for that. actually, the more I think about it, the better I the better I think it is.
1: One of them's like kneeling, I think. One of the heavy dudes. Is it? Um, yeah, he's got like a kneeling pose. I, I will yeah, say, generally speaking, uh, mass-produced droids aside, um, like I've been noticing, the posing It's just amazing. Like I love even just Rex's pose. It's not super complicated, but he's kind of doing like the sit back, both guns out,
2: gunslinger kind of thing. Uh,
3: I think it might be the best character pose in the game.
2: Yeah, it's straight out of the it's straight out of the cartoon, like. That's exactly how he should look is just leaning back slightly with both guns extended and just blasting away. That's precisely how I think one would envision him in combat, just completely relaxed and just doing what he has to do.
3: Yep. I love it.
2: Yep. It's awesome.
3: Um, So I think we're going to leave it to the CSI tech guys on the internet to probably cruise through all the cool stuff in the, Photos, so we're not going to talk about any of that so let's move on to our next segment it's time for legion 101 classes in session all right so we're going to talk about fire support and coordinate today uh so let's start it off with fire support um it's a new keyword for the clone faction um on the phase one well
1: not just the clone faction
3: it's yes, that is true. The mortar and the MK two. What what's the MK two? Yeah,
2: the Mark, the Mark Mark two. two. Oh, yeah, Mark the, two. The, medium the Mark blaster. Mark two. Medium blaster trooper
3: it it's that th- that name <laughs> just like reeks of it's very medium
2: it's <laughs> well that's like i mean it's the mediumist. mediumest I mean,
1: last isn't first. that what like all star wars weapons are it's just like an alphanumeric soup right like dlt 19 you know z6 mk2
2: yeah cm mpl nine three yeah yeah
3: i don't know i just like this one just the name doesn't do it for me, right? DLT19 has some punch. Uh Mark II Medium Blaster just sounds like sounds like it shouldn't be I think it's the
1: me- I think it's the medium part because it might as well just be like Mark II mediocre blaster, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the Mark it's II two the, mediocre blaster. The Mark 2 adequate blaster. <laughs> if it was like the Mark 2 heavy blaster, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's pretty badass sounding, right?"
3: so um let's talk about what the fire support keyword actually does before we kind of kick into how to use it so in order to use the fire support keyword you must have a face up order token on the unit that has the keyword and when another unit is firing at a target that would be eligible for the unit to with the face up order token to fire at it you may turn that face up order token face down and add the fire support unit's dice to the pool to the currently attacking and unit.
1: and weapon keywords importantly
3: and weapon keywords which is also yep. important um so that's pretty good one of so that's the good thing about it the bad thing about it is that you lose an activation for the turn because that thing the fire support unit will not be able to go yeah um so there's a little bit of a push and pull there. But, but, uh, if you don't care about activations, that's not that big a deal.
1: I mean, there's there's really two other things you lose, though, too, right? Besides the activation, you lose an action because yes. that that unit that's fire-supporting is essentially only taking one action, which is the attack action. Mm-hmm. Um, you also lose a suppression because you're performing one, one ranged attack instead of two.
3: That's also true. You're also not rallying with the unit that is fire supporting for that right which
1: could be which could be good or bad depending on how you look at it yeah yeah
3: um it's it's worth noting that um if you give a face-up order token to a unit with fire support that would panic or could potentially panic you can make it so that it doesn't panic
1: right because you just skip its rally step
2: yeah i wonder if they'll ever fix that because it seems like an added bonus, you know, sort of like, oh, I got to skip my pan- my panic check because I was fire supporting. It's interesting.
1: It feels like the cost of know. dropping yourself in activation is. I mean, yeah, you'd be losing that anyway if it panicked, but um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it like seems... a pseudo. It's like a
3: pseudo right. It seems, it seems fine. Yeah, I think I think it makes less sense for Imperials and Rebels, but I do think that like when like clones shouldn't panic if they have an order like thematically right sure like they're like trained trained soldiers that like if they have an order like they should be able to do what they're trying to do so um to me that's just like very fitting with the clone faction as far as like what they're able to do um right mechanically it's a little wonky but
2: they've been bred and trained by the kaminoan you know super soldier factory program or whatever after, cl- after they get cloned right so they like you say i mean they just remember their training and they don't uh they don't flinch
1: so do we want to talk about the mk2 and the mortar and when yeah, the fire so let's support let's talk about and those, those are
3: immediately more relevant and we can talk about phase ones after that right sure you want to start us off
1: yep Yeah, so uh, let's start off with the MK two. So the MK two is four black critical two. Uh, It's got surge crit, not surge crit. Um, It has surge hit. Functionally, it has surge crit because it is critical two. But importantly, it's adding that critical two to whatever pool you're fire supporting if you use it to fire support. Um, So it's actually ideal when you're fire supporting a unit that does not natively surge to hit, like Z six, right? Like a Rebel (laughs) trooper's Z six.
3: Rebel trooper units.
1: Yep. Um. So because in that case, like, it's much better to convert a miss to a crit than it is to convert a hit to a crit, if that makes sense. Because usually a hit to a crit is, unless you're firing at armor where every crit matters, um, often sort of like the same difference. So for example, if you're shooting at a unit in cover, um, and you roll two hits and two crits, that's the exact same result as if you had rolled
2: four hits and no crits, right? There there is one substantial difference that I will just caveat with that, and that is that those crits could not be guardianed, but the hits can. Right. So that's like the one that's like the one case where it matters.
1: Well right. So if you're Right. Right. So like like if you're stacking static essentially static defense benefits like dodge and guardian and cover and all that, then you're reaching a point where the crits are more likely to matter. Um mm. But you know, if you're if you're already surging to hit, uh there's a good chance. So I ran some numbers uh, with the, the vets uh, and the MK2. Um, and also, their heavy, the CM93. You can check out all those numbers. Um, we have an article up on, uh, I think it's called Veterans Quick and Dirty, up on fifthtrooper.com, if you want to check that out. Um, I also included some fire support pools, including the Z6. But basically, you have like a, you know, if you're just looking at the vet, so the, the vet heavy upgrade also has critical too. But the vets have surge hit. Um, so if you look at just like the veteran pool, which is you know four blacks from the base dudes and then four whites from the heavy, uh, on those eight dice you have like a like a seventy-three percent chance to roll at least two hits anyway, like two non-crits, two normal hits. Um, so there's there's a seventy percent chance that you're going to be essentially completely wasting that critical two on that dice pool. Um, so you know that's just an example of saying like. If you're fire supporting something with the MK2, you don't want to fire support the Vets because going from critical two to critical four is not going to do anything for you. Um, but with the Z6, going from you know nothing surging on uh, missing on surges to, to critting on surges is like a huge benefit to Z6. Um, same with like you know fire supporting Leia is tempting, but she already surges crit. Um, you know, now she's got sharpshooter and pierce, so that changes the equation a little bit. Um,
2: yeah. You know, i going to say fire supporting Han as well.
1: Right. Uh, and in, in the same diff. Right. Um, you know, there are cases for that. Like, if Han's shooting into heavy cover, um, the extra dice with the pierce two are going to be useful in that situation. Um, but, like, if you've already got a pool that has a lot of dice in it, like the veteran pool and they already search hit there's no reason to fire support that with an mk2 save it for az6 or something else with a smaller pool i
3: have a caveat to that statement okay that caveat is if you would shoot at the same target you should still fire support
1: uh as opposed to not fire supporting anything at all
3: yes so like if if you're you if, you're, if, you're, if yeah. So the thing about this is that fire support effectively allows you to not worry about heavy cover on
1: a second time,
3: uh, a second time. Right. So it kind of allows you to bypass that once, um, which is one of the really nice things about fire support. So if you're firing the Mark two by itself. You I mean, like, yes, you could roll a certain amount of crits, um, but you still have to deal with any with cover or dodge or whatever for the the natural hits it rolls whereas if you're putting that into one big pool you're you only have to bypass it once with both and you actually are going to get more hits overall. through um right now if you're shooting at a separate target with the mark two that nothing else is shooting at that that no longer applies
1: Right, but if the Mark II is just going to, like by itself, shoot that same target, then you should just yes. fire support.
3: I mean, again, though, that, that kind of tying it back in, you might need that activation to like make sure your Luke goes last or something. Um, so that's also right. relevant to that yep. conversation. Uh, I think for the first month or so, it's probably not going to be super clear when fire supporting with the Mark II is 100% correct. Sometimes,
2: yeah. It's, uh, it's, is there any mer- so is there any merit to um fire supporting a sniper?
1: Uh, I think there's a lot more merit to fire supporting the imperial sniper than the rebel one. Um, that said, I think it's you know you got to pull with sharpshooter and Pierce. Like I, that's probably it's probably not as right, good right. as good of a candidate as a
2: Z6, but it's definitely a better candidate than like I that's. I just feel like granting any kind of crit surge to a piercing unit is probably fairly good
3: yeah i mean so there's a couple things there right (laughs) um snipers already don't care about dodge tokens and and they also sort of don't care about cover so when you're introducing the mark ii into the equation the crits don't really matter because the things that the crits are good against already sort of don't matter in in my mind i mean clearly if you're fire supporting um dodge tokens are back on the table because you no longer have high velocity
2: right I, i feel like the high i feel like the highest value there might actually be fire supporting a sniper into a unit like luke or vader if they let you do that which of course you know comes down to their you know comes down to board state But, you know, cases where you can use high velocity plus a large dice pool against, you know, a target that would otherwise be deflecting at you seems pretty strong.
1: Well, but if you fire support, you lose high velocity. Because high velocity's got to be the only weapon. Oh, you're right.
2: Darn. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. So so does that mean they can deflect my sniper? (laughs)
3: Yes. Yep, that's Oops. exactly what that means. <laughs> oh no! Oh
2: no! So we're back to the yeah. Don't do we're that. Back to the um home run deflect that goes five feet across the board and kills him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So don't don't shoot Luca Vader with a dodge token with fire support and a sniper. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Scrub. Scrub the last five seconds of this conversation, because Oof.
3: I mean, so it's worth noting that even when we get down the line and start talking about clones, like. It's really cool to roll a twenty-died dice pool, but rolling like a twenty-died dice pool into a deflect might not be your best. <laughs> thing
2: yeah, you, you can be doing. <laughs> that said, though, that said, even if they deflect like a dozen, a dozen or so, or not a dozen, but you know what I mean. Maybe they deflect a bunch. Like, if you killed them, you freaking killed them. You know? Yeah. Like that's nice.
3: I mean, I
2: don't know. It's still a good trade, right? <laughs> Hey man, if I lose an entire sixty-two point unit of Z6 to a deflect, but I killed Vader, I I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, you know maybe. Um, anyway, so so that's that's the MK2. I think, I think probably if you're gonna, so um right now I feel like the CM93 is overcosted a little bit. I think if you're gonna run the vets, you run them either naked or with a comms stack with an unplug. Um, and, no heavy, but no heavy. Uh I mean five dice with search hit isn't terrible. I, I think they're budget you know?
3: commandos without sharpshooter and pierce.
1: Yeah, and then you can use co- you can use coordinate and an uplink to give an order to the MK2. Yeah. Um which I think is fine.
2: And they get a free dodge.
1: And they get a free dodge. Defend. Yeah. It's not quite as good as target, but it's you know, something. Um, hey, but it's not nothing, man. right it's better than not getting a dodge when you get an order <laughs> um but uh
2: <laughs> you guys are so down on dodge tokens just you guys wait till the next segment because i'm gonna tell you something
1: oh uh, yeah no i mean they're when they're good they're good they're just not as like universally um it, they're not guaranteed to be useful like an name token is
3: Reasonable. I don't know. Kyle rolls crits like he's a god, so <laughs> ah. dodge tokens are just not not ever good for me. I guess you it that was that was that comments.
1: was one game. Had a good second
2: of worlds. Just
1: roll crits. There, come on, I was not rolling any crits in that um, game with Luke. Yeah.
3: Um, so, should we talk about the mortar?
1: Oh yeah. So yeah. sorry. When so I think the just transitioning from the MK two to the mortar. I think the MK two is. You generally want to be fire supporting with the MK two more than you want to be fire supporting with the mortar.
3: Yes. And, why is and that? Mike, I,
1: I know that I know that you've been on your soapbox about this, so I, I want to hear what your thoughts on this.
3: I have strong feelings about this, and the answer is ninety percent of the time you should never fire support with the mortar. Mortar doesn't care about cover. The mortar also has suppressive. Both of those things are much better when they're not attached to a fire support pool in that if the mortar hits something, it alone puts two suppression tokens on something like that's great and and frankly, for its points cost is you don't need to do damage to things for the mortar to be effective for 36 points. If you got two mortars and they're just laying down four suppression tokens on Luke Skywalker every turn, like, let's go like, that's great. Um, you know, that's that's. It's not physical damage but it's it's doing emotional damage to the enemy army um (laughs) so now now that suppression aside um Uh, the mortar has critical one which means that it is surging to crit and which it's got white dice uh which means that you're rolling more crits than hits on average um so you don't care about cover generally. I mean, like there are going to be hits to go away, but you're looking to pass one, maybe two hits through cover on anything at range four. That's pretty good by itself. You don't need to fire support it on another pool. Additionally, the mortar has cumbersome, so you can't move it and shoot. So you're just going to be aim shooting the whole time, which means you're like super likely to get at least one crit on an attack, I don't know what the math is, Kyle. I'm sure you can back.
1: Uh, you you got like a nine percent chance to not get uh, some kind of result on three white dice with a name token.
3: Yeah, with a name token. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So I mean, like you're putting the suppression tokens down. That would suggest that you've got a 91 percent chance to put at least one suppression token down. Two, <laughs> at least two suppression yeah. tokens. Um. And you put one down anyways, if it doesn't hit, Correct. I believe that's yep. the other suppressive keyword. I, yep. I haven't used a suppressive keyword and not hit in a very long time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and what does it add as a fire support? It adds three crappy white dice. Like the, the situations you want that are like when you are fire supporting a line and waste shot with busk and you have 10 aim tokens to spend or you're fire supporting like a death trooper shot and they have like two aim tokens i don't know um
2: so what what i'm getting from what you're saying is is that you have to be a little bit more open-minded with the mortar about using it as a standalone weapon rather than fire supporting with it just because the fire support doesn't really add that much unless the target's already got some sort of way to um backload its aims
3: yeah i mean like unless you have some way to manipulate dice in a very high like to a very high degree like three white Mm -hmm. dice is passing like maybe one hit onto the pool like that's what you want to spend your order token on is adding one hit to another unit's pool like uh, okay. And this is while
2: losing the 91% chance to generate its own suppression token that an aimed mortar shot would do normally. Like, I,
3: I don't, that doesn't seem worth okay. it to me, um, generally speaking. Okay. Uh, there are certain situations where, yeah, it's good. But I think overall, um, the mortar is a great activation pattern for the Empire. We know how good snipers are 44 points. Just wait till you see mortars at 36. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> You know, um, I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. And I'm sticking to it.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think um, the situations you mentioned, you know, Bosk, Lion, Away, Dust Troopers, uh, because they got precise too. Um, I think snipers, if they have um, a name token from Beers. You know, because then if they take an aim action, that's two aim tokens. Um, you they have critical one, so you're actually converting those sniper surges, uh, which is helpful. Um, and they have range four, so they're they're more likely than other other units to be able to actually fire support a sniper. Um, but besides those like a couple of cases, you know, y- you're not going to fire support a stormtrooper squad. They already surge hit. They're getting no benefit from that critical conversion. Um, they got a ton of white dice that they're going to have to reroll anyway. Um, I could see fire supporting shores in certain situations. But again, like you noted, you know, it's basically veer's veer's dice pool at range four, right? Like
2: you're either going to roll crits or you're not going to roll any paint. So, um, would you fire support a DLT shot against a vehicle with a mortar? Cause then you have impact one critical one and then a fairly substantial dice pool to get natural crits and surges. Yeah, I don't know the math off the top of my head, but it seems like there might be something there.
3: I mean, you're giving up suppressive again,
2: uh, but your target, you're the target you're hitting, isn't going to get suppressed anyway. I understand. Right, there's, there's that, you that's what I mean. That's worse. what I mean
3: is that you're you're not yeah. giving up one suppression token. You're giving up three in that and situation.
2: It, and let's be real, it's not like Imperials ever had a problem dealing with armor anyway. Well,
3: uh, yeah, that's the other thing. You, you know, the more the, mortar, the mortar probably makes them less good against no. it because it takes place of a DLT
2: now i say this while double tanks are killing other empire lists that don't have you know d- more than just a dlt in invader league right now so this may this sure. may change
3: <laughs> yeah um i think overall outside of the situations that we've kind of listed here where you fire support with the mortar you should think of the mortar as a suppression battery that sometimes deals right. a hit And and if you don't want that, you probably that's, that's... don't want the mortar. Like it's the mortar isn't going to kill things, but but a suppressive weapon on the field that's at range four for thirty six points is pretty yeah high-harden. that's a good deal. Um, especially if you're in a situation with like you know if you annihilation looms on turn one and then start passing you know two suppression tokens to a couple of units and all of a sudden it's turn one. The unit has not. There are units in the game that haven't activated yet, and they already have three suppression tokens. Like you can start making units panic very quickly
2: with mortars, yep, and then you follow on with a death trooper or something. Other something else also
3: has suppressive,
2: right? I would just or like boss to point out who also has <laughs> suppressive.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. so t- to me, the mortars are kind of this um, cumulative thing for the Empire faction that has kind of been like building and this is kind of I feel like where the dam breaks on the suppression and that like we've got death troopers and we've got boss but you really don't want like more than one or two of those things in your list so you only have like one or two sources of suppression and mortars just make it so you're like oh now I have five you know I've got boss death troopers and three mortars that's ten suppression tokens across five units like have fun with that um, I don't know
2: I'm feeling really good about it just because I'm, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this might be shared by other people is that when I started playing Legion, um, Darth Vader and suppression, right? So suppression became synonymous with fear and ruling by fear and the empire now to have like the ability to field an entire list full of suppressive weapons is just, it's the fulfillment of their identity, right? Like this is yep. now we're seeing like the, the real fruition here of, of the, imperial war machine and their power yeah
3: i mean that's not even to talk about like oh it's turn two or three and i've been like double mortaring a couple units and now i'm gonna play master of evil and like stack another three suppression tokens on top of these units that already have three four suppression tokens you know you're talking about a situation where units are actually going to panic that's pretty rare in legion nowadays i don't think it's going to be that much rarer for much longer
1: yeah there's, yeah there's a reason they put a three three count suppression token in the, the clone wars corset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah yeah it's just you know um if you want to get real spicy you can take e-webs with parage generators too you know um i don't Feel like those are very good right no. now, but it's possible. Jay Zell <laughs> me off camera. Or whatever. Quiet. <laughs> um, How dare you talk about, it, about <laughs> barrage
2: generators?
3: <laughs> I think he's more concerned about the e web. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's 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 possible that, uh, you know, the mortars make that sort of strategy realistic. Um, it's worth noting that it's a lot less good against droids who don't care about suppression tokens. I also sort of feel like we're kind of getting down a rabbit hole here. So. Let's talk about phase one clones.
2: Oh, baby. Well, phase one clones. Um, so, phase ones are. They're a unit that, could, that takes the best features of Empire, which is red saves, and the best features of Rebels, which is a huge dice pool because they have a Z6. With black dice. And. With black dice. Yeah. Well, the Z6 so, doesn't, but they basically know yet, what I mean. Yeah. But they have they have, they have they have rebel they have the rebel core unit attack stats yep. with combined with red save. So they have kind of a best of both worlds situation. Of course they pay through the nose for it. Right? Rebel troopers are forty, I mean, you know, phase ones are fifty two. So
3: they they also have like pretty good access to those dope surge tokens, which take the best of both worlds and make it even better. They can
2: also fire support things that have, um, surge to hit also known as the barks, Peter. Um, yeah. So, so (laughs) the, the numbers get kind of ridiculous after a while, at least, you know, and I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say ridiculous because, um, things are kind of ramping up generally, but they're ramping up all at the same time. So no one, I don't think is, you know, there's no one faction that's particularly favored, and it's it's being done all together, like everyone's benefiting at the at the same time from the sort of ramp up in, in power. Um, uh,
3: I don't know, man. Have have you ever played like Warhammer and like rolled a Terminator squads like attack pool?
2: That is a little bit too obscure for me.
3: Okay, well, it's a lot of dice, is really what I'm trying <laughs> to get at. And oh, oh, you mean I've the- never felt that way in Legion until I like picked up the bark speeders attack pool and then i picked up a full phase one clone units with a z6 attack pool and put both of those attack pools in my hand it's kind of hard to hold in one hand because of so many dice
1: yeah when you got to use like like (laughs) a two hand cup to hold your dice pool you know that's
3: like something's gonna die
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean you're and if you fire support a z6 with another z6 you're talking about 20 dice and one attack roll, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And,
3: and you probably have some surge tokens, <laughs> so you're like pseudo surge to hit at well, that point. So, like,
2: well, we know the we know the math already, right? Like, it's it's three it's three and three quarter, right? So two, three, three quarters, right? You know, a seven and a half.
3: Um, that's, seven and a half. Hits. That's before surge tokens.
2: Yeah, that's without surge
1: that's before tokens. So surge if you're tokens, doing this yeah.
3: on like your General Kenobi turn, where you're you've got. Twenty surge tokens or whatever, because all your clones are sitting next to each other,
2: and, and maybe some like aggressive <laughs> tactics.
3: Yeah. On top of that, like, yeah, you know, um,
1: that's yeah. yeah. Then that's like two and a half it, more hits. So that's what ten hits. It's
3: getting
2: it's getting pretty gross after a little bit. But yeah. that's a, but that's what you give <laughs> up. You give up to You give up as yeah. activation for that. So so you're not going to do anything defensively, unless you have surges left yeah. over somehow.
3: I mean, so I, I sort of feel like generally fire support, the like losing an activation portion of fire support gets, it matters a lot less if, if fire support literally just reads delete a unit on it.
1: Yeah. Which is what you're talking about with clones. Potentially.
3: Yeah. Like, I mean, if, Potentially. I don't know if you pass 10 hits, even through heavy cover against a rebel trooper squad, we all know what happens next. Yeah, the rebels die. Let's <laughs> see generally what happens. <laughs>
1: yeah, they get one shot.
3: Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah you mean, can't you can't pull that trick with the Mortar or MK2. You
2: really no, can't. No, you can't. But that's cuz that that's the clones that's that's their faction identity though. Oh yeah. Is com- is combined arms token sharing. That's what they do. You know. Oh,
3: which I got to say, you know, they took this this keyword and just like turned it up to 11 on the clones i love it it's just like the idea it's just like reeks of you know the clones lining up and just like firing barrages across the battlefield it's so so
2: yeah it's i mean what you should probably do is kill their phase ones oh yeah because then they can't do it anymore
1: yeah i mean that's what you do
2: yeah (laughs)
1: And there's a reason that their, 50, their cheapest units 52 points. Yeah, of course, um,
2: because that's incredible. Right.
1: You know, you, you you get some sniper pierce hits in there, and they uh, start losing dice real quick.
2: I mean, Bark, bark plus Z6 is like 8.6 average hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. gross. And you yeah. can take two Barks that's in the like, list and uplink them and play push behind it or something and have... You know, eight, eight and a half, eight and a half into one target, into activations. Yeah. like that's a lot.
3: Or you slam like link targeting array on that thing. And oh God! Yeah, <laughs> give it some aim tokens. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> you know, takes a compulsory move. Then it takes another aim token, so it's got two aim tokens and like seventeen dice. Yeah, seems seems fair. Well, I mean, so it- that's that doesn't even count the fact that <laughs> <laughs> like if you're if you're like fire supporting two phase ones together and there's like random aim tokens around lying around like they can just use them right well this is well this is
2: this is good because this is actually great because that's going to put people into into sorry it's going to make give more pressure on people to play the positional game
1: oh yeah
3: yeah No, because
2: doubt. now because now we're in like we're in like you know, I'm going to use a WoW reference, right? We're in raid boss territory. Don't stand in the void zone. <laughs> the void zone is where you're going to get fire supported with no return shot. Yeah. Or, you know, you need to force him to fire support in such a way that you're, the rest of your army gets, to, whatever's left of your army gets to shoot that unit and kill it within the round yep. is the hope. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's... To make him punish the heck out of him for doing that. And, and
1: you know what that, zone, that void zone is, right? Because the fire support unit can't move before it fire supports so exactly so you know exactly
2: how, what their reach is yeah, it's, based on their weapons range
3: right. um, so it's worth noting that while you are playing clones you should attempt to put units that would normally be suppressed into places where they can fire support because you want your units with suppression tokens on them to be doing the fire support in, if at all possible um, yep big be- because they're only going to get one action anyways and it's probably going to be to shoot something so it might as well be fire support yep just as kind of like a quick easy rule of thumb now if they're not in range to fire support anything don't do that no. <laughs> but <laughs> just, just
1: activate them yep. the-
3: <laughs> yeah um but you know If you can, you want to kind of make sure that you're getting as many actions out of your army list as possible. If you've got a unit that is suppressed, it is better for them to fire support than to activate normally.
2: You know, for the moment, though, I'm wondering if you run strict orders on Obi-Wan. Speaking of suppression, just because we don't have any... The only um, source of inspiration that the clones have right now um, is Obi.
1: I mean...
3: Uh, aggressive. Yeah, you
1: want you want aggressive tactics. tactics. Yeah, yeah, you
2: want, okay? Fine. Yeah.
3: I just like be, making your clones death troopers defensively is.
2: Yeah, it's probably just too good to pass up. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's it's only for what like four shots or whatever, but
1: it's four dudes a turn.
3: Yeah, I mean, like if if that nets you and like not losing an extra four clones, like that's a big deal. Yeah, it's it's yeah. That's that's really like the good. raid on that. Like, I'll pay ten points to save four clones a turn. Yes, please. Totally. Um,
1: yeah. And. And they can they can share those search tokens, so they're never going to waste them.
3: Yeah, and it also like frees you up so that you don't have to like put force guidance on Kenobi. Um, the fact that he's yeah. only got two force slots is limiting.
2: Yeah. Push and trick. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what I you want. I think it's pushing. Trick is like obviously good I think against reflexes. Right. Yeah, I
3: reflexes. I mean, he's got be, yeah. Seresu mastery.
2: That's true. Yeah. Yep. Tell you what, I'm going to split the difference and start with reflexes trick and go from <laughs> You're there.
3: and leave home without push out of force, user David?
2: <laughs> hey man, it's not, you know, I'll, again, next right, segment, all all I'll
3: right.
2: tell
3: you. That's fair. Um, all right. Yeah. So... Uh, we've talked about fire support for a while. Do we want to go over coordinate?
1: Yeah, let's 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 quickly hit coordinate. Uh,
3: yeah, let's hit it up. We'll All well, right, so.
1: it is. Um, so let's talk real quick about let's let's start with MK twos and mortars, and then we can actually. You know let's what? Sorry, let's start stuff, with CIS because right? yeah. it's way simpler to do with them. <laughs> yeah. It's way simpler to do it. So <laughs> yeah. the B1s can coordinate to other droid troopers, which means when they get an order, they can pass an, another free order to um, another droid trooper, which uh, is just B1s. Um, cannot pass to Grievous or Droidicus. Uh, but um, that's still amazing, because if you got six B1s in your list, that means you give an order to one of them. If they're all close enough to each other, uh, then you just gave an order to all six of them, right? And it's you can daisy chain it. They don't all have to be within range one of the original target, right? So like if they're in a line all the way across the battlefield, you know, you start on the left side, he gives an order to his homie next to him, that guy gives an order to the guy next to him, et cetera, et cetera. Um Cohesion is super important with droids. Uh, you're gonna want some kind of clear squad marking or base coloration or something because your dudes are gonna be in a dog pile across the <laughs> in a line. And there's
2: <laughs> likely gonna be forty plus of them. So yeah,
1: um, and your cohesion is gonna be super messed up because of coordinate. Because you want to make sure that you got some like. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard the term honeycombing, um, but so think of like what a what a beehive looks like, right? Where you've got like hexes just think of like a hex grid like a hex grid with two rows in it um generally speaking Um, like if 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 you get a unit that gets blown up say hypothetically by a 20 dice fire support pool um
3: (laughs) hypothetically yeah (laughs) hypothetically (laughs) yeah it turns out 20 dice fire support pools are pretty good (laughs) against units that don't have save. right um
1: (laughs) so if that happens you don't want there to be a hole in your chain right so um right what i mean by honeycombing it is you know you put like two units next to each other and then you put a unit behind them or like intermixed right so that if the middle unit gets blown up you still gotta range one jump from one to the next does that make sense yes um so yeah do that um the other thing with b1s is uh so like core box lists that are going to look like something like Grievous six B1s and two Droidicas, or Grievous five B1s and three Droidicas, something like that. Um, So you're going to want two uplinks basically in every CIS list. Uh, You can put them on your B1s. Um, B1s don't lose actions to suppression, so you're going to be much more likely to be able to actually take a recover action on a given turn to recycle those every turn. you know, obviously like on your three pip turns, you can just issue orders to the B ones and then chain them. Uh, but it's also notable, like if you got like six B ones and two droidicas, if you have droidicas with, say, link targeting array, you're gonna want to give them orders. So if you got like a push turn, right, uh, give your two orders to the two droidicas, trip your uplinks for the B ones, and then put Grievous in your bag. Um, you know, same it's, yeah <laughs> um, as, as CIS, you should never have more than one kind of token in your bag in your token bag ever
3: and what he really means by that is you should have perfect activation control every time
1: uh, right yes you should have 100 it, every turn should be an entire legion for you now it might be, it might be that one of you know one of your token types is in your bag and not on the table but it's functionally the same thing. Um, and of course, that combos with aggressive tactics, which you should definitely have on Grievous.
2: Um, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need every surge token I think for your B ones, and of course, Grievous himself.
3: I mean, so I actually think that a aggra- uh, minor tangent, aggressive tactics, is fine, but not overwhelming on the B ones. Like, okay, I saved B one battle draw. Well, it's like, it's, ooh, it's it's sequence.
1: way better on their attack pools than on um, defense.
2: Yeah, right. That, that's really what I meant. Is totally. what you need to, for their offense,
1: and it's it's good on Grievous too. Yeah, yeah no. Grievous. Oh, yeah. Grievous doesn't surge in either good direction game. either, so he needs surge tokens.
3: Uh, he does if he's attacking. Well, Obi that's true. Yeah, cause, Cause, that's when he gets really. Because then he
1: gets
2: Jedi Hunter. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah, but, but besides that, are you, are you ready for are you ready for Sabine electrocord against Grievous? I am. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> boom. Uh.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's still got a gun.
2: <laughs> that's fair. Which is pretty good. It'll probably gets suppressed. You know? That's true.
1: Yeah. So just this is a super yeah. tangent, but uh, sorry. It's speaking of Grievous being suppressed, strict orders and endurance on Grievous. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Um. Okay. Pretty good. So man. that's that's a tangent from coordinate. Um, we'll have a we'll have actually okay. a CIS article at some point out this month or next. Um,
2: yeah. Here, that's happening. Yeah.
1: That's good. Um, all right. So uh, coordinating MK2 and uh, mortars. So <laughs> you can actually do the CIS thing with both of these. Um, I think it's easier to do with Shores and Mortars because Shores and Mortars are infinitely more spammable than Vets and MK2s. In other words... well. Keep yeah, well, up, I, I up, think up. you can. I think you can make a, a more viable list with three shores and three borders than you can with three vets and three MKTs.
3: So, do you want to just kind of take us through real quick um, what you mean by doing the same coordinate yep. trick with the upgrades and everything?
1: Yeah. So uh, it's a little harder to do with um, uh, with vets and shores because the only Coordinate keyword is on the vets and the shores themselves, right? It's not on the mortars or the MK2s. But you can sort of do a layman's coordinate by giving the mortars and the MK2s a comms relay, right? So say you've got three shores and three mortars. You give an order to shore number one. Shore number one gives an order to mortar number one. Mortar number one uses comms relay to pass that order to shore number two, who gets a free order to give to mortar number two, who then passes that order to shore number three, who gets a free order to pass to mortar number three who can then pass it to Bosk or whoever.
3: Yeah. All aboard. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's notable that this is significantly different than the B1 trick. And that if you do it that way, correct. mortars will not. So that's, which is fine. Time. Well, right. good yeah, which is fine. Because, well, I mean, it's less sure. fine if they're the mark but it's you know it's it's notable because your bag is likely right. It's not and you can't do the else. same perfect
1: activation control thing. The the purpose is,
3: and if you draw something else, improvise.
1: Right. The, the purpose of doing this with shores and mortars is to give the the shores target the free aim token from getting an order. Yeah, which is great. A free aim token from getting an order is amazing.
3: It's like a free right. coordinated fire every turn. And by free, I mean, cost you. Uh,
1: well, it costs way. you f- at least five, you know, because you can actually, you can just give an order to the shores the old fashioned way. Right. Um,
3: sure. So I guess if you want to give two extra orders out, you need to the pay uplink. 10 points for the, for um, the
1: relays. Confidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, so you can do three and three. I think this is fine. Uh, I was actually throwing a list around earlier uh, that was like a variation of my Invader League Veers boss list, but it had one shore and one mortar with a comms relay. Um, the shore had an uplink. And then you've got four turns um, where you're uplinking the shores um, because of Imperial Discipline. Uh, and then even like on your push turn, you can... Um, you know, like on your max, you don't need improv in that list because on your max firepower turn, you can uplink the Shores, get their free aim token, pass that order to the uh, Mortar, which passes that order to Bosk. So on your on your max firepower turn, you've got an order on Bosk, Shores, and on Veers. Um, and then same thing on like, you know, any one of Bosk's uh, command card turns. Um, and then like even on your push turn, you know, you can give an order to like Bosk and the shores, and then pass that free shore order to Veers himself. Basically, so yeah, it's just a way to like throw an extra free order into the pool. Um, I think it's, I think it's way better with shores that trick um, because I think you need your MKTs to be fire supporting. Um, He's got his head
3: in his hands right now. I just want the audience know,
1: to know this, because yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, imagining
2: you like trying to explain this, 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 you know,
3: chicanery to a
2: new <laughs> at your local.
1: You need like a diagram. It's like you need a whiteboard. Yeah.
3: Right?
0: yeah you need a it's funny you
3: should mention diagrams. You might see them online shortly oh yeah oh interesting
1: yeah oh, i'm gonna i'm working on a shore article which there will be a diagram in it Which has this
2: <laughs> yeah
1: um the other neat thing is if you're running like a veer's list and he's got aggressive tactics not only are you giving all your shores aim tokens you're giving them search tokens
3: which is super great because they are their stat line outside of fire support is essentially identical to clones so right um, it's up they just have target instead of uh Fire support,
1: so. right? So they get a free aim and a free right. surge, and they can spend that surge on offense or defense.
3: Is pretty good.
1: It is. Sadly, vets cannot spend surge tokens.
2: <laughs> womp womp.
3: Yeah, surges are, I mean, are not that
2: great no. for apples unless you're just running a pile of these.
3: Would you rather they were able to spend surge tokens because that would not be good. Yeah. Yeah, please. Like, oh. <laughs> well, oh, no, I'm grateful for every unit that has a surge. Trust
1: me. Yeah, no. I mean, I'd rather they were they had red dice and were able to spend surge tokens.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. fine. I'm just making a point
3: that, you know, if you wanted your rebel veterans to have be one battle droid saves, you can have no, that.
1: no. That's not what uh, I'm. That's not okay. what I'm asking for.
3: All right, great. but
2: Kyle, <laughs> for one attack, they will be Rebel troopers because they have defend one.
3: <laughs> uh, yep, <laughs> but they don't have nimble. There you go. Um, do we got more to say about coordinate,
1: gentlemen? Uh, no, I don't think so.
3: All right, sweet. David, it's good. It's real good. Okay. <laughs> it's awesome. What those guys said. Uh, Okay, sweet. Uh, We're going to move on to our next segment where we're going to interview the champion of Gen Con. Get ready for advanced tactics.
1: Hey, is that Grievous?
3: That is Grievous. Nice.
1: Jay Jay is showing us a painted Grievous. Jay, I'm so jealous.
3: So we're here with the Gen Con champion, it was really hard to get him on the cast today. We had to pull a lot of strings. David's link, my man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> um, I uh,
2: <laughs> It feels good it feels good to win. It feels good to win. <laughs> that is that is really like the most obvious thing I could say.
1: <laughs> so this is this is actually oh, the man.
2: first I think this is the first major event you've actually you've won, right? correct uh, ever in all of my minis gaming career apart from this rpq that i went to. oh well that counts but yeah it does um but it's not it's not a 64 player tournament for sure
3: i mean wasn't it a 64 player tournament technically
2: uh gen- well, gen no, con was. Was. yeah gen con was yeah. yeah that's what i was trying oh, to say okay right. sorry did, th- did that come up backward i apologize i don't know
3: i maybe got confused in any case Tell us about what was going on, Talk about your list.
2: Ah, okay, so um everybody's running Sabine, you know, everywhere I look, Sabine this, Sabine that. And one day I had to play this guy, you might know him, his name's Luke Cook. And he smashed my face with Death Troopers while I was running Luke Sabine. And I came to a bit of a realization that one, I really missed command slots. And two, um, if explosions doesn't do X amount of damage where X is like greater than eight, um, it is really hard to make Sabine do much after the fact. And I just said to myself, why am I punishing myself by running Luke and Sabine? I should just go back to running Luke and Leia and just learn to deal with it because... Sabine is, well, she's not worse Bova, she's different Bova. Um, but I just decided to go back to what works. And so I ended up running Luke Leia because it's what I've been playing for Team League. And I thought to myself, you know, what are some, what are some things I've learned from recent games that I've played? Um, I felt like two medics was very comfortable. So I brought two medics with six Z6 troopers. Um, And then I was looking for a unit to replace one of my sniper teams just because I felt like for Rebels at least, three snipers can be a bit of an overcommitment just because you are missing out on units that can influence the main battle. So I thought to myself, well, I like two because at least then I have a balance where I have the ability to make infinite range shots to, you know, strip standby tokens to pick off unit leaders to, um, you know, to at least have that ability inside my army. Um, so I was looking for this unit. I ended up with about 88 points or so, which was exactly the health of a full commando. So I tried to do a full commando. Um, I played a game with it, instantly didn't like it. Thought back to the Flyboys I played and was like, "Hey man, those Officer Z Sixes, boy, they're amazing." So I took an Officer Z Six and then I had enough room to put Mind Trick on Luke, and I thought, "Okay, I think this is what I'll go with." And um, yeah, so the total list is Luke Force Push, Mind Trick, Emergency Stims, Leia Improvised Orders, six Z Six Rebel Troopers, two medics, one officer, two, and you only took two strike Strike Teams. For a cool set. What world yeah. is this? I know. That's I only too. It, shock. What, what world are we living in? Ah. Well, it's a, it's a world where... Um, it's a world a little bit upside down because I came to some realizations over the course of this tournament that, um, you know, should have be obvious. Um, but I... Uh, I told myself, this is a list that has almost that has absolutely no flash. Um, I showed it to Zach from Jetta Journal, and he said, the name of your list should be, if it ain't broke, don't yep. fix it. Because everything that I brought is like known good. Right? We know officers and Zs are good. We know medics are great. We know Luke is amazing. We know Leia with improv is amazing. We know snipers are amazing. And we know that a two-point bid can get you blue some percentage of the time. And so it met all the criteria I felt for what I'd be comfortable trying to go 6-0 at a national level event. Um, And so that's why I ran it. And I just thought to myself, well, I haven't really practiced this, but if I I play to pure fundamentals, I should be able to make it out of the tournament or at least go far. And that's really what it came down to. Um, The medics are insanely helpful. Um, You either healing snipers, healing Luke... Um, Even restoring your own troopers, just because if that unit hasn't shot yet, restoring that trooper means you get that dice back. And this game, at a fundamental level, is core on core. And if you don't have core units, you lose, generally speaking. There's only a few exceptions to that rule. Uh, Palpatine is one exception. Just because now you will die is incredibly powerful. Um... there's a couple other scenarios like breakthrough with boba fett or recover you know game states that are not solely about attrition but if you have a little bit of battle card luck if you have a little bit of um making your opponent you know make difficult choices with their battle cards you can hopefully avoid situations where you won't have to play a scenario not based on attrition and then break him on your anvil of 6z6 rebel troopers with nimble um, and dodge tokens and so that's kind of what i was attempting to do with all of my games was create a situation where you know i attack just enough to create a, a situation where i can then turn around and defend um or just play a fight where you know i know i can take these better shots than you can take and just win those attrition games and then you know, just grind him down over the course of six turns. And the tournament structure favored that as well. We were given 15 minutes of setup time with two and a half hour rounds. And um, I only had one game not go to oh, round that's six. Great. That was actually, yeah. So every game I played went to round six, except for one, which went to round five. And uh, likely because uh, it involved a lot of thinking about saboteurs and it involved a lot of thinking about um, the breakthrough math. Um, because it was a breakthrough game, and that was actually my scariest game—a game that I v- came very nearly close to losing, uh, primarily because Andrew, my opponent, had an excellent explosions turn where he dealt nine wounds to the backfield, and um, I was trying to defend against Sabine's breakthrough push. And uh, I had my—I split—we'd split our armies in roughly in half, basically because we were both going for the objective. Because I knew that if I knew that with Sabine in the picture, you know, even as blue, I couldn't sit back at all. And, and because, uh, you know, Sabine has, can just break at will because she's so fast, right? So I had to put something back there to defend against her. And Sabine, with the help of some of her friends, um, namely an, off- an officer fleet and another Z6 trooper, very nearly um, got the breakthrough on me. Um, but again, this was a fundamentals-based list and something that a number of my opponents who played breakthrough against me forgot or didn't know about was that if you tie something up in melee on round five, they basically can't break through unless they punch their way out. And there were two, there were both situations where my opponents got tied up in melee, had to punch their way out, couldn't do it because I had a dodge token. Or because Yikes. they just blanked out. In Andrew's case, he had four rebel troopers punching a lone officer unit leader with a dodge and rolled zero Ugh. hits. <laughs> I'm sorry. Which Andrew, was insane. I feel bad. <laughs> and that 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 by itself caused the tie up that, yeah. that put the game on to points. Yeah, that's that's super lame. Yeah. Um there was also a, a moment during that game where one of the deployment markers got bumped, and I realized that as we were entering six that I needed to double check where the zones actually were so we could get a, a more accurate picture of what was going to break and what wasn't. Mm. And we realized that there was a rebel trooper unit that would have had a breakthrough if the zone marker was accurately representing the zone that did not get one. So that was a little bit of an awkward situation, but it was just because we had been, that, that place was where Sabine had gone through to do her explosions turn. So the marker had gotten bumped. So that was purely accidental because we were playing over the marker. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the, really the closest one I felt out of all the games that I played. Um, my first game was against Bob Swain, who's an awesome dude. Um, I think he judged the Muncie RPQ. He played Sabine Double Rotary, which was actually the archetype that gave me the most trouble all weekend because um, Rotaries are... <laughs> they're basically the Grim Reaper against mm-hmm. Rebel Troopers. Um, being out of cover against a Rotary, you might as well step in front of a freight train because you are going to get s- smoked if that thing rolls heavy. Um and so I encountered two of these Sabine double rotary lists, which I think are, are fantastic, especially against other rebels, just because, um, you know, rotaries are, are sick and rebels don't have an easy time against armor. And plus it gives you, it gives Luke, you know, something to think about. He's like, okay, Luke, do you do you ward against Sabine? Do you zone her off to keep her from exploding all over your whole army? Or do you go and engage his rotaries because it's about the only thing you have that can actually kill those things in a, in a you know... Um, in an insignificant amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: If you're trying to kill them with,
2: with like these sixes, you're going to be fishing for crits all day, especially if they got, uh, right. R fives. R- R- right. So they had, he had a, like yeah. he had two Astromex behind these things. And, um, thankfully it came down to a point. Um, again, a point where I was killing Astromex with wounds in the tank, just because I had, you know, anti-core damage. And so that's that's the sacrifice that these lists that incorporate like large numbers of supports and snipers make, is that their core units are just weak. And so in the core on core battle, you just crush them because you have not only do you have two more guns, you also have four more wounds than they do from your medics, and you also have um, Leia who's handing out dodges, and you have Luke who's handing out dodges. You have all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. Um, Yeah, I did. And I, I wanted to bring up something earlier that I talked about with you guys in the segment prior, this tournament was a tournament where cards that I previously thought were weak were actually the best cards. And by that, I mean, save our skins in particular, because I was able to stack dodges on the lead unit that was going to take a death trooper shot. And this lone unit leader, again, with the lone unit leader, the reason I did this was because it had, it was in heavy cover. It was near evaporator and it had, it was, you know, an 81 point squad. It was the officer and I stacked double dodge. Cause I knew it was going to get shot by death troopers because that was the natural course. This officer in heavy cover with two dodges, right? Death troopers shoot. They recover, shoot from range four, six hits, you know, typ- typical, typical, yeah, typical. um, <laughs> heavy cover. So heavy cover. Two dodge tokens, two saves, two
0: blocks.
2: (laughs) Yep, (laughs) zero damage. (laughs) So just like I got, I mean, I had a number of those. There were just some like amazing, like full out parries of Death Trooper shots, which were just like unexpected but welcome. (laughs) You know, you can think of Palpatine. You know, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome (laughs) one. (laughs) You know, kind of those sorts of memes. But um. Yeah, man. Dodge tokens actually work against large hit pools like that. And that was something I really took away from it. They also work against Imperial saboteurs because Imperial saboteurs only have two dice in their pool and one of them tends to blank. That's the red one. So, you know, there was a turn where this sab bomb would have just utterly destroyed me, but because I had my allies, the force, I was able to slap a couple of dodge tokens on the units that were most vulnerable and they survived the saboteur hit. So there's a lot of like moments like that where it was sort of like, well, you got nine suppression on this unit, but I still have a Z6 in it. So it's still worth something, even if it's panicking because I was medicing it back. <laughs> you know, it was just one of those moments where it's like if you can secure heavy cover and have, you know, time good timing with your dodges and better order pool timing than your opponent. um, You're you're sailing, man. But you're like a well-oiled machine and they're kind of just clanking along, like hoping their order pool comes up. Yeah, you know. I mean, activation control is huge, um,
1: like in a tournament setting, and that's why that's one of the reasons I really like your list. Is like you said, it's super simple, but that's also um, you know an asset when you're talking about activation control. Because on almost every turn, except for a coordinated bombardment, which you usually play early, uh, you've got an order on Luke, and he's probably the only one that you care about, like significantly having an order on. Um, you know, in some of those like RT Sabine lists you reference, you want an order on Sabine. You you also probably want an order on the RTs. Um, you know, of course, Sabine can't give them orders, um, generally. Uh, so you've got to do it with whoever your other commander is. Um, I saw like some crazy token mix chronic lists too with Sabs and stuff, where, you know, like if you don't have if you don't have order tokens on those Sabs, um, you know, you're gonna have issues. Uh, so. I like your list. It's, you know, it's fairly um, order pool neutral, and
2: you've got control of your one focus piece, so. Mm-hmm. There was a moment even in the in the final game against Jace where Leia did, like, a last first against the Sab team for three hits each time and just oh. blew it off the board. <laughs> yeah, it was just gross. And, I mean, Leia, Leia pulled her weight so much this game. I got to tell you something, man. Like, Luke... Okay, so you look, at, you look at Wonder Twins, right, and you think, well, Son of Skywalker is, like, one of your strongest cards, right? And actually, it was strong, but not for the normal reason. The normal reason, right, is that Luke is embedding himself in your enemy's lines in a last first move, and then you're slapping two of his core units with, you know, Son of Skywalker, and, like, killing one and a half to two units with it. In this case, it was like, I'm actually using Son of Skywalker to pistol double tap at range two, and then mind trick for force suppression that actually got me more mileage ultimately yeah um it helped me panic sabine off the board once and
1: actually his pistol's pretty good against sabine especially if she's got dark saber because she
2: doesn't have piercing unit range um yeah she actually took two wounds from that even because i rolled oh. double crit <laughs> and impervious yeah. didn't didn't work <laughs> so it was nuts Monsters. Well, yeah so it's pistol double tapping with Luke statistically, was really hot.
1: like if you're talking All about Pearsonian Sabine versus Impervious Sabine, the two red is is um, very close to the six black. Like statistically, in terms yeah. of like expected wounds, um, nice. Yep, that's good to know. I so yeah, know not the point. end of the world if you've got a Sabine with dark saber, just
2: shoot her with the double right. red. Yeah. I love when my intuition checks with the math. It's nice.
3: Generally speaking, (laughs) if you've got pierce weapons, you want to be shooting Sabine instead, anyways.
2: Well, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was shooting her with with snipers, too. Anytime she was visible, I'm like, I'm getting all my pierce weapons on her and trying to see if I can. I mean, snipers are also
3: very good because they don't care about her dodge tokens.
2: Yep. They just shut down Nimble.
3: I mean,. To be fair, though, that is
2: why Sabine's Shield is also good. So, yes, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else was important to the tournament. Yeah, save our skins with a double dodge stack. That was also crazy. And also just having having Leia and the officer there with the three suppression removal plus Return of the Jedi, like, that's a lot of suppression management. And and especially when you play Return on turn five against, like, a potential Annihilation Looms or against... uh, You know, just when you're getting down to the nitty-gritty, to be free of suppression to guarantee that you have no action loss to just finish the game out is incredibly strong.
3: The question is going to become, will it hold up against Mortars?
2: It will with a few adjustments. Yeah, And I think the major adjustment is you put Hunter on your strike teams. So
1: this is interesting.
2: So this is a little bit of
1: of a tangent, but we talked about this before the cast. Um, with these emplacements showing up, do you think hunter on strike teams is actually good now? Sniper strike teams.
3: I think between emplacements and Tauntauns, the answer to that question is yes.
2: And Sabine, because now you have an extra tool against Sabine. Yeah. Because now you have a now you have a double aimed sniper shot.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I. I generally think that the inclusion of all of these units that are multi wound models um, really improves hunter snipers a lot when it it was only like one or two characters in your list, sometimes IRG and sometimes Wookiees, it was one thing. But I think that there's probably going to be two to four credible threats to shoot to trigger hunter moving forward. Yep. In most lists.
2: Hmm. I agree. And even if there isn't, you know, there's yep. always going to be a character that you can shoot at some point. And especially if it's, and I'll just say, putting pressure on characters was really useful all game. Like for example, against uh, John Griffin, he would he likes to play as Krennic forward, but because he lost his medics early, um, Krennic had three wounds and he couldn't actually use him at all. Because the choice for Krennic was run towards Luke, which is horrible, or run towards my gun line, which is also horrible. <laughs> yeah, and my snipers. So, womp womp. Just he just doesn't get to use Krennic except as a compelled droid because yep. you put wounds on him early.
3: It is.
1: It's
2: a beautiful. Well, thing.
1: man, uh, it's a great job. Congratulations on on taking the whole Woo-hoo-hoo. thing. I was I was I was closely following throughout the whole thing on on TTO. I like I kept hitting a refresh on work on Thursday near the end of every round um just anxiously seeing whether you were gonna take it home and you did so nice work uh, can you I, I want to see your dice real quick? I know folks can't I can't see the webcam, but let's see this ridiculous dice oh, trophy the, um
2: oh yeah, this dice trophy yeah, so here here it is so it's, it, the, it's the Star Wars Legion yeah so it is dice. it is
1: it is about the size of a child's fist a little bit smaller than I would have thought um
2: yeah it's a little bit baseball baseball. that's (laughs) a good yeah
1: child's fist is a little smaller yeah Yeah, it's it's got it's got pretty much all the icons on it like a crit a block a surge
2: yeah it's got crit block defense surge and attack yeah
1: so that's pretty that's pretty cool i think you should as you suggested make like a necklace out of it like flavor flave and
2: just wear it around your neck (laughs) yeah i promised uh i promised ryan if like if i won this thing that I would get, I would make Big a necklace yikes. out of it. That's going to be, we're going to make that happen. <laughs> that's, that's not going to be comfortable to wear. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <that's probably> true. <laughs> and I, my, my wife Did... said, my wife says you're just going to ruin it. You know, and I'm I like, mean, yeah, you'd God, have God.
1: to, you'd <laughs> want to put it in like some kind of case. I got, something. I got to win. up I got to win. up <laughs> we got to, <laughs> had to get another one. <laughs>
2: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Okay. Yeah. Just
1: cool, cool so of a couple other things happened at Gen Con. Uh, the tournament. Um, yes. Yeah. So let's sure talk is. about those real quick. The first, just briefly, um, there were some penalties handed out for sportsmanship, or rather, unsportsmanship, unsportsmanlike conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I heard about those.
2: Did not witness it personally. Yeah. So this was in the Friday
1: that. heat. Um, we're not gonna like name any names or go into details, but. Um, We'll just say, you know, we did an episode on sportsmanship uh, a few episodes ago after Northeast Open. Don't
3: Um, be a douche.
1: Yeah, like, it's not hard. You're playing, we're we're all playing with plastic space dudes, you know, like, it's toy soldiers. Um, I know that there's, like, a giant plastic acrylic dice at stake here, but... um, yeah. <laughs> just chill out, people. Like <laughs> it's this should not be complicated. You gotta understand <laughs> this is my wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean it you know, yeah. Oh, just, man. People gotta relax. That's all I gotta say
2: about that. Yeah. Hey man, those double sided plastic D backs and tauntons are, are yeah. pretty sweet. A full <laughs> place too. Ooh. I mean it's just
3: like i would like to be able to know that you can go to a legion event and not have to worry about this sort of stuff you know um and it and it feels like right now we're not really in that place and it would be really great if we could get there
1: yeah and it's not good for the growth of the game either you know i mean i heard um somebody was saying that they got, like, a text or a message from a friend who didn't even play Legion but was at Gen Con. And they're like, man, I heard the Legion players were, like, throwing miniatures and stuff. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, if Legion's Yikes. getting a rep, is uh, you know, anything that contributes to a rep is, like, a game that has douchebags in it. Um, you know, we don't, like, don't contribute to that. That's not going to be good for Legion's growth. Um, you know, and it's not going to make for a good tournament experience. So... Um, you know, it's, we're all in this for fun, right? Like, you can't make money playing Legion, uh, so <laughs> um, not that that would excuse the behavior either, but like, it, this is a game, it's supposed to be fun, you know you want to know when you show up to a table at a tournament that you're going to have fun and your opponent's going to have fun, so um,
3: yeah. I mean, like just, when you start a game make it a point to like, get to know your opponent, crack some jokes and like I don't know, just like make it a good experience. It doesn't need to be confrontational, doesn't need to be aggressive,
1: and you know what, like if you lose, that's fine <laughs> <laughs> like it's i think I think that's part of what you know there was I guess there was a lot of intensity and uh you know people felt like there was a lot on the line, like yeah, it's a tournament, but you know it's a game like i know this is a competitive podcast and we talk about how to be better at legion and 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 such but like you know it it's a game you're supposed to have fun have fun try and have fun <laughs> it,
2: it helps to it helps just to view the game as a problem to be solved and not as a battle of wills i mean this is an mma <laughs> pain on the on our opponents like you're you're just trying to play you're playing like a crazy a crazy form of chess with dice
3: i mean i i think you can still look at it as a battle of wills and shake hands with your opponent and have a good time like i mean look at like all of the like paragons and sports and stuff right like they they generally speaking the people that are really good at playing whatever their game they're in, like have a really good relationship with their opponents, you know, like generally speaking, Mm -hmm. there are exceptions to every rule there, are, you know, bad eggs in in Mm -hmm. every bunch, but like, you know, it's just like, I don't know, like at the end of the, at the end of a soccer game or the end of a football game or the end of a hockey game, you know what happens? They line up and they shake hands and they, pat each other on the ass and they're like ha ha good good game i'll see you next time and like like that's how it should be
1: minus minus the ass padding that might get you that might yeah, get you a game mean, lost clearly. I, um I, but you know <laughs> i just like i
3: I, w- I put that in there as an example of like you know i mean in professional sports that's the thing. yep Specifically in hockey. Yeah, please, please, like, please don't yes, pat your, yes. your legion
1: opponent on the ass.
3: Yes, please don't do that. I'm not <laughs> do that. for yeah. you know.
1: I mean, I wouldn't, regrets, I wouldn't but, say but, no, but sure.
3: <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> but like, uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's how sporting events go. You should be able to reconcile the ability to, you know, people. There are guys out there that lose the Super Bowl and hug it out with somebody on the other team like if people can do that you can lose the star wars legion game and and deal with it you know um yeah so that's all I got to yeah
2: say them. yeah i mean i'll just i'll just cut it and say like in the final match right it was high stakes but Jason and i were you know we were I mean congenial, right? We were we were you know like looking forward to the match and we were helping each other with range calls and checks and things like that and you know it was just like this game is not going to be decided on on attitude or holding back information. You know, the game is decided on skill and and decisions. Right? And that was that was apparent during the whole course of the game. So, you know, I mean and variance of course, but you know, that's neither here nor there. You can't control the dice. It's not possible.
1: But yeah, I mean I think the lesson here is just be cool.
2: Yeah. Don't be a douche. Yeah, just just be just be friendly and and if your opponent is asking you a question, just try to answer it. And if you're not certain what if you're not certain, just just ask it just ask a judge and tell your opponent this is not anything you're doing. I'm just seeking clarification. and we should talk briefly
1: them. too about de-escalating because, like, it's possible that you know your opponent is going to be a douche, right? Like, you can't control that, um, but you can always control yourself. Yep. So, um, you know, if your opponent is making it a not fun game for you, don't uh, don't escalate. Yep.
3: You, you don't have to. Yeah. You know, regurgitate whatever your opponent is doing to you. You know, it might it might be yep. you might need to exert some self control. To do that, you know, I think we've all been there um to some extent, yeah, but you know, don't sink to that level,
2: yeah, what's the phrase an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind? that yep. definitely applies here, <laughs> I mean,
3: but everybody has one eye left at that point,
2: yeah you no both. they take the other okay. eye too, all right. and then they get their friend <laughs> with one eye left to, and there's <laughs> and there's only one person there in the whole go. world with an eye left, the last one. <laughs> They got the uh, buy. <laughs> they got
1: the buy. I see what you did there. Um, do you guys want to talk about burning invites
3: real quick? Yeah, buddy.
1: Um, sure. This is, I mean, it. it's the post Gen Con show. We're already 90 minutes in. It's just going to be long, people. Sorry.
3: Yep. Um, yeah, it's a lot to cover. <laughs>
1: Jay's, so much release
3: Jay's just like, I um, want to go to bed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, and so it's important that um, we didn't, like nobody knew this going into the event, at least um, nobody outside of FGOP. Um, they burned invites at Gen Con, which basically means that if um, if people uh, that got spots, so the, the top four spots on each day essentially were invite spots to Worlds. Um, Cause there were eight invites for 64 players at gen con so if you got top four in a given heat then you got an invite but um you know how it's worked at least how it worked in the first year and how it's worked at rpqs if if a player already has an invite uh to worlds and they qualify for one that invite would essentially just get passed down to whoever that is so like um you know in the case of these heats with the four spots like if one of those four top players had an invite already then the fifth player down would get that invite uh, the rationale for this being, you know, they need to fill a certain number of spots for Worlds. Um, you know, last year it was 32. I think this year it's going to be like 128. And they're going to do a last chance qualifier anyway at Adepticon to, to basically like fill all of the rest of those spots, however many it is. Um, so you don't want to like discourage players that already have invites from participating in events for fear of like, um, you know, costing someone else an invite if they if they do well. Um, but that was not known going in. Uh, it was only known basically, you know, day of when it, when it became clear that the invites were not getting passed. So um, I'm not a super fan of that. I don't see a reason to, because all you're doing is just denying someone an invite now to hand out another one at LCQ. Um, you still got to fill the same number of spots. So I don't know. I don't. I, I don't really see the rationale, but.
3: I think it's great. I think, so I think, so a couple things to my knowledge, and I wasn't at Gen Con last year, this is the first uh, non worlds event that I am aware of that FFG organized play has been on site for.
1: Uh, they were on site. So- Last and year on weren't at, they were at, outside, at a depth yeah. time also High Command.
3: Yeah, so uh, my point here being that this was the first time that they essentially were involved at a high level with an actual tournament that was qualifying. Uh,
1: something. yes. Yep.
3: So what I would like to say here is that we all made a lot of assumptions based on how people that were not Fantasy Flight Games ran their events in that, for instance, LVO and um, Nova and all of that had a certain amount of invites. And they didn't have anything saying, you know, you can't pass it down. So they passed it down. But FFG was on site for this, and I think they made the right call in that the top eight get invites period end of story if you don't make top eight you don't get an invite um and i think that's fine i think that uh that's how tournaments should work if you don't make do if you don't make the cut you don't make the cut and sorry you think just because it's simpler or because it's 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 like a reward right like um you know uh other prizes aren't passed down why should invites be passed down you know i i i get all these sweet alt arts for you know first place and second place third place fourth place or whatever like you know um th- there's no reason invites should get get passed down you should you should have to excel to The degree that has been set forth in order to qualify for worlds.
1: Um, I mean, I think I would agree with that viewpoint generally, Um, if not for the concept of the LCQ.
3: So the way I look at the LCQ is that it essentially is just there to fill the holes.
1: Well, I guess that's my point. Like either you're filling a hole now, or Uh, you're filling a hole.
3: I I would rather have. Right, like a bunch of tournaments that were high stakes and had value that didn't get passed down, and have something at the end that were like, "Oh, well, if you're at the if you're at a you can just fill in." Um, and you have to you have to compete in a tournament to get there. I think that that's fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I also think like, so I don't have an invite. I'm <laughs> now the only one without an invite, which I'm painfully aware of. Um, even Jay has one. Uh, like, but <laughs> <laughs> ouch. Uh, I love you, Jay. Um, but uh, like, if I did have one, I would feel, and I knew that I was going to a tournament where invites were going to get burned. Um, I would probably not play in it i would i would feel guilty about playing it if i did
3: i mean i'm gonna
1: i'm not saying you i'm not saying you should have david because um um first first of all it's clear that we didn't know this was gonna happen in advance um but i think i think that this sort of structure can prevent a disincentive from players that already have invites from competing in other tournaments I, i
3: i get where you're coming from um there are still plane tickets on the line um there are still really sweet prizes yeah. on the line. Frankly, I'm going to play in Nova. I'm going to play in play at LVO. Um, and unless we like secure streaming rights to either of those events, which seems kind of unlikely at this point, um, though maybe, uh, probably not Nova at this point. It's like a month out. Um, but I mean, I I don't feel bad about that at all. Um, I'm I want to play Legion. I want to have fun. Um. You know, uh, I think that if you go to a tournament, like I personally would rather get an invite by succeeding and earning, and not to say that if it got passed down, you didn't earn it, but, but there is a level in which that like you have to like get to, x whatever x is to to earn an invite and that is clearly kind of laid out in gen con it was the top eight um and if you didn't make the top eight you didn't get an invite i don't i don't know
1: yeah i mean obviously ffgop agrees with you but
3: damn right they do
1: uh (laughs) for for me it's just you know either you're filling a spot now or you're filling a spot in march that's kind of how i view it but yeah, anyway, we don't need to beat this horse anymore, I don't think.
2: Yeah, burning invites sucks, but, um, you know, OP has their reasons and they're probably. I mean, I think out. it's possible OP to just some, did it because I it's think simpler to
3: some degree. Um, it's an expectation management thing, too. Right. So if you tell everybody at the start of the tournament Top eight gets invites and you lose your first game and you are pretty sure you can't make top eight, you, you might check out, but the reality of it is that if you lose your first game and like six people in the top eight already have invites, it could get passed down to you. And I think that from a, from a tournament perspective, when the LCQ comes around, they're going to know exactly how many invites they have. And I hope it would be my hope that people that uh, have invites probably can't come in the LCQ that would be my guess Um, yeah so so it's a tournament completely devoid of people with invites and they're going to just be able to say top X get invites and it's clear exactly who gets invites every time there's no ambiguity about it at all and I think that that is a much better way to do it than being like top A gets invites but It's actually the top 14. Um, uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely more clear and more simple. It's, you know, it doesn't seem like, at least for now with our game, it's not a super big community, right? Like it was, you know, we were even on, on Thursday, like there were some players that already had invites that were doing well. And it was clear just by looking at TTO, we were like, "Oh, okay. So if they pass invites, you know, this person and this person are going to get invites." Um, Like it wasn't it wasn't like a difficult calculus to do. So, um, but I, you know, I get that it's, I get that it's cleaner. I get that you know, top eight is top eight. Um, It's just for me, I don't, I don't see the difference between passing an invite now and passing an invite later. Yep. All right. Should we talk about? Uh, we might as well just make this a two-hour episode. Should we talk about the core yeah. set? Let's, and, uh, let's bridge <laughs> into our hobby section. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> Jay just like died in his chair for a second. Um, I mean, it's our post-gen kind of episode. We got yeah. a million things let's, to talk let's about. Let's
3: glide into our hobby segment. Let's do that. Yeah. Get out your brush and paint. It's hobby time
1: i think jay would prefer silence for these <laughs> drops but you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> sorry jay jay's jay's painting his grievous or whatever the hell he's painting so i'm not i'm not i'm jealous of you right now
3: jay is hobbying right now yeah. uh yeah
1: man. um yeah uh so um so let's talk about spruce
3: yeah spruce are great love them
1: i agree um not so okay so the benefits of sprues versus not sprues there's 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 benefits of both right so (laughs) um you are it's going to take you slightly longer and it's going to be slightly more work to just get like a plastic dude on the table with a sprue versus uh the pvc
3: oh i don't think that's a fair assessment okay slightly longer is going to be like five or six times longer
1: I, uh, I think
3: it, I'm sorry but Jay really actually who okay. has put together his clone stuff at this point said that it took him four hours to put together his B1s and Grievous which is a long time which is great I'm all about posability and everything and I don't mind it taking that long but it's definitely a lot longer than the like 20 minutes it's going to take you to put together your clones
1: um you right, and choices, you also have more models. Right? Like, uh, but yes, yeah. there are more bits to the models. The models have more bits. You need to clip them off the sprue. You need to stick them together. Um, what you don't need to do is, uh, generally speaking, trim mold lines um, or like sand down arm joints like I had to with the original corset or run things under hot water because they're bent <laughs> I,
3: I'm, this, um, was, this was a problem you had because yeah. my mine stuff okay, was like way. fit together like a puzzle piece
1: okay um, you know what's really I mean, funny gen-
3: the course that I got from Gen Con
2: in the learn to play guide it's, it showed Obi-Wan's saber being bent <laughs> and lo and behold <laughs> in my pack there's an Obi-Wan with a bent lightsaber
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh, and that's you know hard plastic isn't going to do that.: Yep, right. So um, the hard plastic also looks better. The models are much more detailed. Um, even the new clone models, the, the, the soft plastic models are much more detailed than like the original corset.: Oh yeah. Um, it's noticeable. They also, the they also have round pegs on the heads and the arms, so you can actually do head and arm swaps on the clones and like change the angle and position of their arms and the direction that their head is facing. Heck um yeah. which is awesome because i hate monopose stuff
3: thank you derek yep thank thanks you, derek right.
1: you're the man um that would be derek fuchs by the way the uh the sculpting lead um so uh yeah it's uh like it's gonna look better it's gonna take you a little bit longer but um it's gonna look better on the table it's gonna be way more detailed so um and you're, you're gonna is, be able to
3: it's gonna look better <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Um and like you're going to be able to do more poses uh especially with the B1s. Also like if you accidentally like chop off a bit of a B1 or something, you're going to be able to fix that a lot easier cuz pl- hard plastic is infinitely more customizable when you got more parts. Um you're going to you're going to be able to make your unit leaders look different if you want. You know, different poses and arms pointing and crap like that. No yeah so i'm excited it's you know it's gonna take slightly more than slightly longer to get it onto a table but um (laughs) it's gonna look great i'm super excited
2: the circle is now complete Um, (laughs) when i began the segment you were the learner now i am the master i think that it (laughs) is
3: fair to say that um if you want to get into the new factions you need to really consider that if you're going to get into the separatists, that there's a billion pieces. And if you're not into the hobby aspect of the game, it's possible the separatists are not for you. Um, I'm yep. not saying that to like, you know, defeat other people. And Jay really wants to talk. Jay, you can talk, I guess.
4: Okay. Well, seeing as I'm the only one out of all of us who have put these together so far, <laughs> I feel like I'm qualified to talk about this. Well, I just don't want people to get scared because I think it it is going to take a little bit more time, you know, to like clip and prepare them from the sprues, but I think what you get on the opposite end of this is what Kyle was saying too is like options and if you screw up there's more options to fix it than I felt there was with the other ones where like, if you, you know, you, you, those arms, the way they had the arms in the original corset set and the, and the, the, you know, phase one stuff, you had to put it in a certain way. Otherwise the arm bumped out or, you know what I mean? Where like these, you can, the, especially on the droids, like, I mean, look at my Grievous, like I have all four arms on and I put his cape on. And I have his arms like all over the place like that kind of opportunity for freedom is is pretty cool. It, and it does take more time, uh, significantly yeah. more time. But I think it's That's worth a, it in um, the end. Is what I would say. And you want. Oh, oh if I can, this is just something to focus on. Um, I in the other units, you didn't really have to pay attention to the instructions as much because it was just like arms, legs, like it's easy. Uh, (laughs) Read the instructions on these. (laughs) So uh, they're a little complex, Uh, but once you get like one, it's fine. You you got it down. But like uh, I actually I shot a video and I'm going to I'm going to show you I'm going to publish it on our YouTube where I actually screw up uh, one of the B1 droids, but then I show you how easy it is to actually fix it with the way the models are. And so, so that's pretty. Just, just pay attention. There's like three or four ways you can mess it up. <laughs> I, I did all four, and so you, you know. And then uh you, <laughs> Did you put
1: like a you put like a B one head on his ass or something?
4: Uh, like, I don't know. Really... The bodies are a little confusing, so okay. you can definitely put those on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. You see that? Yeah. Uh And then you're like, wait, he's. Why is he bending like this? And wait, where's his backpack go? So it's uh yeah. So but <laughs> even with that mistake and with super glue, I could still fix the problem relatively easily. So so that that's kind of the benefits you're getting out of these new models.
2: Are the sprue's Number, nice? It? Yes. Awesome. That is good. And, there,
4: cool. and so Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about this. This is great. So like uh it, even if there's two or three uh droids on one sprue it'll be like b1 through eight or whatever and then d1 through eight so they're like they're different numbers so that you know and then in the book i think they could do the instructions a little bit better that'd be my only criticism of this so far uh but in the book it shows you all you know how kind of how they go together but like i almost wish it was like legos
3: where right, it shows you like step by where step they were like,
4: yeah yeah like step one put arm here so, you know what i mean because and because it took me a while to figure out especially with the droids because the it's a small piece that connects the arm to the gun and so you're like i don't know which one to put up like do i put the arm on first do i put the legs on first and try to put the arms on do i glue both the arms together and then try to put the shoulders on so some of that's a little trial and error but just kind of giving everybody a yeah. realistic heads up of what they're in for and then for those of you out there that aren't really into painting and just want to kind of get these table ready the contrast paints are amazing on the droids so i i highly recommend going nice. that route and that's it i'll right, let you guys go back to the the you. podcast back. <laughs> bye
1: um i got one more question for you jay super glue or, pa- or plastic glue
4: all right i have two answers uh if you're scared plastic glue but if you're, if you feel confident in your hobbying, super glue, because you can, you can also get the, like, I love the instant set, the accelerator.
1: So, oh, like, I hate accelerator.
4: Oh man. I love it. Cause I do not so, like holding things in place. I'm an impatient guy. So I'm just like spray glue. Ha-ha! Oh shit. And then I got, and then I got to like snip it yeah. off and then re glue it again. But you know, it happens. Yeah.
3: <laughs> So just so we're clear for the listeners, plastic glue generally takes a lot longer to yeah. set, yep.
4: and and what it yeah. does is it melts it melts the plastic together. Is it, what it, it makes does. It,
1: it makes it like totally unbreakable, basically.
4: It, it's a way better
3: bond. Yes. Yep. But you have to sit there holding some parts together for like five minutes sometimes or you got to get a clamp or something well,
4: yeah uh, and if you make a mistake which you're not likely to do because you're holding it for 20 minutes but like <laughs> if you if you make a mistake uh you going back is is not as easy as it is with super glue where super glue you can kind of if you get an exacto knife in there you could chip away the glue and kind of break break the seal and then yeah. redo it scrape it off and redo it it's a much easier process i think uh for newbies
3: yeah
4: it's okay. uh you plastic. will get it all over your fingers for sure yeah yeah.
2: prepare to lose skin yeah
4: yeah and then take a break because you won't feel texture on your fingers anymore and it'll be hard to hold stuff it just happens, <laughs> it just happens that way yep and if you haven't um, cut yourself with an exacto knife yet you're not doing it right
1: yeah uh, yep totally. i haven't done War- that uh, since
4: it. my warhammer days i uh Well you're are about to do it again, my friend. Mm-hmm.
1: That that's that's the other thing is use uh, use sprue clippers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is a special thing out there. There, I think if you just Google like clippers or nippers on Amazon, you will find or hobby hobby clippers. They're just like tiny little clippers that have they're flat on one side and they're super sharp. Um, also, call them
2: don't, f-
1: clippers, don't. But yeah. What? Yeah. Don't. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah don't use an exacto knife to try and cut stuff yeah. off a sprue yeah that's a recipe uh,
4: oh, no, 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 yeah yeah recipe
2: for disaster don't do that yep don't do that
4: uh and actually in the unboxing video i did on youtube i actually go through uh snipping grievous out and then cleaning him up with the exacto knife and sa in a sandpaper stick and stuff so if people want to watch it if you're new to it just go to our youtube channel it's it's and, towards the end of the unboxing uh, this is
3: a mistake that i made a very long time ago but some of you may want to like speed up the process and like try and twist things off the sprues don't do that it's, oh yeah do that. you're going to break something you're not supposed to yeah.
2: And cut away from yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Please cut away from yourself. So
3: this is a very, very large tangent, but this is just why you cut away from yourself. So I had uh, one of my workers at work. I run a roofing company. um, Workers at work. uh, He was cutting a two by four on his lap.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, it yeah, was
3: not and not smart. And he was cutting oh, and he was cutting down, right? Cutting down oh, like, oh, like towards his uh special section. And um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what? I would have gone with uh, mandates but you know. We call it, yeah. it right, bickle bickle. And um, <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know why he was doing it, but he cut through the board. And you know, when you cut through something, generally speaking, uh, the blade keeps going. And he like gashed his inner thigh like really bad. And uh, I had, was just on the job site like five minutes beforehand, and he called me. He's like, "Hey man, I think I need to go to the hospital." And I was like, what do you mean? And he sent me a picture. I. I I don't do I don't do well with blood and stuff. i explained. it Anyways, cut away from yourself, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes.
4: Yeah, like, Man, you're gonna scare people yep. off. They're not even. They're just, oh, god.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just don't 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 yep. clip the spurs yep. near your, near your gonads, and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> near your beanstalk, <Ica-beam laughs> everything will be good. Oh my! I would, I would say, and I know, I know that there's people out there who this is their first hobby game, and like you know, they've had it relatively simple, and you might be scared, but don't be. Just it's trial and error, and anything you mess up on your miniatures can be fixed yeah. with some glue. It, it, it's not that bad. Oh, and green yep. stuff. You want green stuff?
2: Mm-hmm. Not liquid stuff necessarily, I mean, but the actual green
4: stuff. I like both. So, like, uh, for instance, David, like with Grievous Cape, I had a little gap between where the cowl met the cape, and that was really good for liquid green stuff. Right, that's perfect. Yeah, because it was real. It's a small gap, but like if you have a big hole, or if you're trying to like add something onto the model, then yeah, you want the normal green stuff. And basically, what it is is it's a yellow blue polymer bond that you mix together, you make it green, and then you put it on, and then about twelve hours it dries and hardens to plastic, and you're good Um,
3: to go. I found that it was really good to on actually the old models to like fill in some of the shoulder gaps and stuff um, because sometimes they didn't fit super well. Um, yep. But. Sweet. Okay, bye. Bye. Go back to your hole. Bye. Uh,
1: All right. Well, I yeah, think that pretty much I wraps think, up uh, the show, right?
3: We talked about a lot today. Yeah. Um some some we did. spoilers. Yeah, Wow. Well, David Um David, congratulations. There's a lot there's
1: a lot to talk about.
2: Uh Thank you. Yeah, man. Can I, can I give a huge shout out to everybody that like made this possible? Uh, like, um, you know, Brendan and, and Jay and you two and my wife and everybody that's been supporting me. Um, you know, you know who you are and you're awesome. And, you know, just thank you for helping me out because <laughs> this stuff wouldn't happen without you all. So Thanks.
3: We love you too, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is, is this where I say I know like Han Solo? <laughs> there you go. There no, it was it a missed opportunity. It ah, was a missed opportunity. Judge. Right. It's gone. Judge Cole. <laughs> um, so yeah, we talked about some sportsmanship stuff today. Let's hope we don't have to talk about it again.
1: Um, and, yeah. We're in bath. Ambas- we're all ambassadors for the game of Legion.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: and people are watching.
2: D B A D Don't be a douche.
1: I'm glad you spelled that out because I had, I wasn't sure if that was like some hip acronym that I was supposed to be aware of. I, like no, it's SMH not so, it's which has
3: some millennial term. I gotta spell something out for Kyle like every other day. He's like, what does that acronym mean? What is that? I don't know. I'm like geez, dude. Just look it up on the internet or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why should I have to Google? Like, it's like three extra letters. Just type what you mean, you know. So I don't have to Google it when you si-
3: next, <laughs> He's gonna be asking what lol is next. I don't know. All right. All right. Well, for the notorious scoundrels, this has been a super awesome episode. My name's Mike. I'm Kyle, and I'm David. We're we'll, Jay, and he's Jay. We'll see you next week.
2: There you go.
3: Join us next week
0: for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.